On October 23rd, Washington Post fashion critic Robin Gavon sat down with fashion designer Christian Siriano as part of the ongoing live interview series, A New Line. In the interview, the two look back at Siriano's headline-grabbing runway show at New York Fashion Week, as well as the design and professional inspirations that have shaped his career. They also discussed his recent work to bring shape, size, and age diversity to the fashion industry. Let's listen. Oh yeah, that'd be fine. Hi. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here. Um, as Chris said, I'm Robin Gavon, and I'm the fashion critic for the Washington Post, and it is my pleasure to welcome designer Christian Siriano. Hmm. Um, I just want to remind you uh, in the audience and those who are watching the live stream that you can contribute to the conversation and also ask questions uh, by using the hashtag newline. I have a tablet with me, and hopefully I'll be able to get to some of your questions before the evening is done. Uh, and with that, uh, I'd like to get started and first of all point out that Christian has a new book. Woo! Dresses to Dream About. You know, we're self-promoting today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also gonna like put it down because I'm afraid that I'll like start flailing and I'll knock over the water and <laughs> it'll all go wrong. Um, also, I don't know if how many people here know this, but um, Christian is also kind of sort of local. Yeah. From Annapolis. Just like up the Up the parkway. street, it's a quick, quick drive. <laughs> and I sort of wanted to start there because I was intrigued when I was looking through the book that you talked about um, a lipstick red wingback sofa. Yeah. And how that sort of inspires what you do now as well as an older sister who was a dancer yeah. and did many versions of the Nutcracker apparently. <laughs> many. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I know I, I love, I always talk about home because <clears throat> I'm, you know, from Annapolis and, but I grew up in a household of, you know, two women, but very different. My mom who, you know, had this like love of interior and and, and color and print and texture and that was always exciting and I used to go furniture shopping with her all the time and so I always was a big fan of that and I think I was a fan of textiles in that world and yes we had this red like uh, gorgeous sofa in our living room like my whole childhood growing up but you weren't allowed to sit on it it was very important um, it wasn't covered in it, plastic no it wasn't covered in plastic but like we weren't really allowed to play in that room and it's so interesting because now like I have that, and when people come over, I'm like, don't sit in that chair. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's fine, so. Uh, and then, yeah, and then my sister was a ballet dancer, so I was, you know, I was very young. I was always, you know, backstage with her in costumes and hair and makeup and seeing performances and this kind of transformation of, you know, these like young girls kind of transformed into these like fantasy dream-like creatures. And, and that's kind of what the book is about. It's about, um, you know, these kind of dream pieces that hopefully take you away from reality in a little bit. We all need which is, it. Which is always a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I know that you um, went to, let's see, it was the Baltimore School for the Arts. Yeah. And then you went off to London to study. Yeah. Uh, and you worked um, or interned with uh, McQueen and Vivian Westwood. And of course you did Project Runway. Yeah. Um, of all of those experiences, which just one of them would be 
significant on a designer's run on a designer's resume. Which one do you think sort of gave you the greatest uh, preparation for not just being a designer, but being a designer with your own business? Yeah, um, you know, they all have their own great things about them um, and their own horrible things. Uh, but <laughs> but I Feel think- free to share back. Yeah, listen, <laughs> that's a real long day. Um, no, you know what was great is that, you know, one, you know, being a designer, you know, and being young and, and deciding to, you know, move to move to London, move to Europe and kind of work with creative designers like McQueen and Westwood, which their teams are small. It was definitely very hands-on. I think it was very inspiring and I think I'm glad that I had those opportunities because I think I try to treat my studio, my team, kind of the same way, which I didn't really realize until recently uh, when, I don't know, just similar things keep happening that I feel like happened to me, you know, 12 years ago. When, so I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I loved seeing that patterns and, and clothes were just being handmade in these ateliers of McQueen and Westwood. I just thought that was really beautiful, and I like to still do that. One of the things that people often say about the, uh, the fashion education in the States is that it tends to be more pragmatic, it tends to be more technical, and yeah. certainly in London it tends to be so fantastical that often yeah. designers there can't make a pattern. Yeah. Um, I mean, why did you decide that you wanted to study there as opposed to an FIT? I mean, I think because, you know, I obviously, you know, I went to Baltimore School for the Arts, so I was really into uh, a definitely a more fine art background in the beginning. So I felt like it wouldn't make sense for me to go off to these places like FIT um, that were doing technical everything, where I was like very uninterested. I also just wasn't good at it. Um, <laughs> I still am not. You know, I do every single sketch, pencil and paper, bum, you know, it's just me. And obviously, I have a team that work on those things, but I like to start from nothing and mm -hmm. see what it becomes because also it's an organic process, I think, making clothes for, for at least how I, I like to work. Uh, it's not this. Uh, Te there is technical, but just not in an advanced kind of computer world way. Um, and, and if that makes any sense. Uh, so you're not a computer assistant I am really person. am not. No, I have trouble opening attachments some days. <laughs> um, and it's like a true thing. And, I, and, and it's really funny. Um, but I don't mind. I mean, because I feel like... Uh, I know, which is quite, which is interesting, because I'm young and I'm obviously in a in a world where other designers that are in, you know, in my kind of age bracket right. and are you're technically a yeah, they're so it's such a different thing. But then on the flip side, I have a you know a very um, powerful social media following. You know, we like to promote things um, in that world. So it's just I'm just not that technical, but I know what's happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's uh, I think I just don't like to work that way. Like I like just like draping on a mannequin and playing with embroideries and I think uh, that for me is like the best part about being designer is starting that way. Feeling the fabric, um, you know, that that's my favorite part of the day. Everything else is the worst part of the day. Yeah. All the business is the, you know, the the worst things. Although, I mean, I think the, the I mean, first I like the time, I think when I met you, I was going to say, when I met you, you had not uh, it hadn't been that long since you had run one Project Runway. Yeah. And I remember thinking that what was most striking was that you were so focused on building your business. Yeah. That, you know, I think I had asked you about, oh, like, what happened to, like, the $100,000 that you won? And, I mean, you talked about, like, putting that away and being really focused mm -hmm. on... Um, 
just sort of those mundane things about building a business. Yeah, I mean, after the show, obviously, you know, you're thrown into, uh, you know, this world. I mean, I was also a kid, so it's been almost. You were 22, been, right? 21, 21, but I auditioned when I was 20, so this was 12 years ago, so this was a really long time. And wow. so, uh, you know, I was really young, naive, I didn't really know, but when the show ended, you know, I had millions of people wanting something, a product, somehow, mm -hmm. something, um, and I didn't have anything to, I basically was a brand without being a brand. Right. So I almost kind of went backwards a little bit, um, unfortunately, but I knew that I had to have something, and I knew that that, that was kind of my only opportunity to um, yeah, really build something that I would obviously, um, I think, care about and feel good about. Mm -hmm. and, and that really was, like, I just loved making clothes and I loved making women feel great in those clothes. So, and that's all that the whole goal was. When, yeah. I know that there were, there were some hurdles after Project Runway and is it something that you are happy that you did or in hindsight, do you feel like in some ways it created these additional hurdles that other designers who didn't go that route sort of didn't have to deal with? Yeah, I mean, it's every, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, yeah, it's, there's good and there's bad things. Um, but yes, that's the challenge. You know, obviously I didn't start um, in a traditional way as maybe other brands have. Uh, which is for sure very challenging. You're always held to a different place. People, uh, it is hard. Also, TV is very hard because you're put in a place that that's, it's kind of like an actress that's known for her one movie that she did 100 years ago and she's been in 100 movies. You know, it's right. hard to get through people. You know, people's attention spans are quick. Uh, you know, you're, I think that's the challenge, um, which is why I try to push that aside and just try to just make, beautiful things and season after season. And I think that my biggest thing is you can't, the customer is the most important thing. And that's kind of what I learned as the years went on that I stopped listening to everyone else. And if people didn't support, they didn't support. Um, but we had always had the, the women who were shopping behind, behind us, which was really great. You, and that, that you, helped. <laughs> you had a great quote, which I'm gonna like dig up because. I love a great quote. <laughs> Especially when it's <laughs> yours. <laughs> yeah, there was a profile uh, of you, and, and they had talked about a stylist, I guess, that you had hired uh, to sort of help you, you know, edit when you were putting together the show. And mm -hmm. part of the goal had been, um, you know, to sort of connect with the fashion industry. Yeah. And you said that so often <laughs> the dresses that the editors love are not the are the ones that you don't sell a single version of. Yeah, every time. And then your quote every was every season. It's so, so annoying. And then you were like, still so ten years later. So think about that a little bit. <laughs> no, it's you know, <laughs> ten years later. Um, what did it's you think It's my favorite thing. <laughs> like I was just thinking, we just had um, you know not to throw it in there, but we just had um, I just had my first cover of Vogue, which is amazing. Um, it was for British. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Claire, uh, Claire Foy. Claire Foy. She looked amazing. It was a British Vogue cover. Um, nobody bought that dress. So it's so interesting. Um, so I'm like, well, damn, you know. Uh, we're not, uh, um, you know, so that was sad. Uh, but it's okay because you know there are those pieces uh, that are editorial and that are beautiful and that editors love and stylists love and people wearing the red carpet and they don't always work in real life. So I do, and that's the balance. Yeah. But I think that is how I've been able to kind of keep the business going for so long is that we kind of have both worlds. We have we can have beautiful things for editorial and beautiful things for red carpet. But my biggest goal was that I still want to make sure people can like buy and wear the clothes or buy something in my world, which is why I do things like Payless and I've done Lane Bryant. I've done all these different things um, 
because I think that's very, very important. But it is frustrating when these editors, and I'm like dying to get to come to a show, <laughs> not you. Um, Robin, <laughs> Robin has been, a, you know, such a great supporter from for so long, which I so appreciate. Um, I really, really do. And uh, you know, because it is hard, it is a challenge. But that is always the interesting thing that I would read sometimes. You know, even it could be women's wear who really annoy me. Um, <laughs> you know, they would, you know, judge judge so quickly without, but they know nothing about my business in any in any way. So that was always a challenge. Um, you know, because I, obviously I'm still a young brand. I'm not Dior, but my clothes are hanging next to Dior. So it's almost like we're put on the same kind of pedestal. I haven't been in business for you know. 60, 70 years, so it's, it's a challenge. So we're working on it. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I, there always has been is this disconnect, I think, between the sort of critical acclaim and success and the magazine covers and the celebrity endorsements and the reality of the business. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most sort of famous cases was Isaac Mizrahi in his sort of first incarnation sure. was a designer who was really a household name thanks to Unzipped, thanks yeah. to his outsized personality, mm -hmm. and that company was never profitable. Yeah. And I, I think that stuns people. Yeah. I mean, do you, why, why do you think that disconnect exists? Do editors just not know what it is that customers want? Are customers just frightfully conservative and hesitant to try new things? No, I think it's... Who's it, to blame? I know, who's to blame? <laughs> Listen, well, um, <laughs> no, it, I will say it, it is a mix, um, but the num I think the biggest thing is because, no, I never think that... I think the customers are actually... I mean, obviously, there is a range of a conservancy, you know, when you're shopping and you are like, oh, you know, can we afford this? Am I going to buy it? Where am I wearing it? That comes up a lot. But um, for the most part, I never get that pushback as much. I mean, sometimes we get we get asked for more, more. I want more of this, more of that. I'm like, oh god, you know, more prints, more color, whatever it is. Um, but I think a big part of which is why also retailers were struggling too is because they weren't necessarily listening to actually what people were looking for. Um, so I think that that happened with the buyers who were sitting in an office buying for a store, which is a very which is a challenge because they're not in the store. They don't know what's happening. And I think it's the same kind of thing with certain editors. They've never. I don't, I don't know how many editors are even shopping in certain retail, so how do they know mm -hmm. and how are they judging a collection based on if it's good or not, based on those things. Um, and I think that's the challenge that I think our whole industry is kind of having over the last like two years, because mm -hmm. it's ups, there are no rules anymore. People are, that's what I've kind of found, because everyone is finding new ways, new ways to build their business because it's, it's, a, it's a rough industry right now. How has, has social media changed your relationship with both your customer and the way that you design and present on the runway? Because you know, sometimes I look at social media and the things that people become so enamored by uh, or enamored with, when I saw them on the runway, there's such a disconnect because yeah. things look incredible in a photograph, not so great. Yeah. In real life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, social media... And vice versa. Yeah, it, it is. It's like some days um, I love, you know, we love social media. You know, I love selling like a $17,000 dress on Instagram. That's fabulous. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they haven't even seen the back. They're like, ordered. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it happens. Eva knows. Um, 
literally, I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. And that has happened, you know, so many times. And then there's, uh, but then there's other things where social media can kind of hinder you because you're getting comments and responses to things immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say you, you're working really hard on something and we do a lot of behind the scenes kind of work and maybe people aren't reacting to it. And then I'm like, oh no, people aren't gonna like this. Uh -huh. But I, so that can be a challenge too because then it affects with my kind of mentality thinking like, oh, I thought this was gonna be the dress of the season and everybody's like, oh, they hate it. So that's the challenge, uh, which is why I love to post, I love to promote, I love to you know, be involved, but I try not to let it run the business. I just let it be a helpful part um, as much as it can be. But because it can be challenging because you're just, you know, who knows who's commenting that day, right. uh, you know, based on whatever's happening. I mean, I have a very... Who knows if they're just trolling you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and I have quite a diverse, uh, you know, fan base of who wears my clothes, so it's hard. You know, one minute I'm posting Jessica Lange wearing a dress, and the other minute I'm posting Nicki Minaj or Cardi B. The fan base is different. Um, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I can, you know, mess with the comments, uh, you know, can be interesting. Uh, so, yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. Well, that, that is a fine lead into uh, your position in the industry as like one of the biggest leaders in diversity. Yeah. And diversity both in terms of size and age, gender fluidity. I mean, was that, did you think about that or was it just something that happened organically? I mean, was it sort of your decision to just like stand up and say like enough with this industry, focus solely on size? Yeah, very no, small. I mean, I think, um, you know, it came from everything. I mean, I, I think even in the beginning, my very first few seasons, uh, you know, we always just had that. We always had customers that were different sizes. I always was dressing uh, all tons of different types of people. I mean, I think I remember like Whoopi Goldberg was one of the first people I like dressed for her. She was hosting the Tony Awards and I was like, of course I would dress Whoopi right. Goldberg, you know? So, cause she was amazing. Um, you know, and I was dressing also like, you know, uh, Rihanna and all kinds of people at the same time. So mm -hmm. I always had that. I just think now with social media, it's much more relevant so people can see it, which is exciting. So, and then when we, you know, when we chose to, you know, put girls on the runway of different sizes, that was because it was the first season that the model agencies existed. So it was just so exciting that now there were model agencies that were, you know, having girls of different shapes and different sizes, sending them on castings, uh, and that was the decision. So it wasn't about that. It was like, oh, let's do this. Uh, it just was, I just think it was like a nice time. Um, I think the customer was definitely interested in that. I hate hearing from anyone ever saying like, oh, you only make clothes for models. Like that's so annoying um, because it's just never, never is the case. Um, I mean, our top selling size is probably a 12. Uh, uh, and I think it's, but it's been that forever. I just, so I needed people to know that a little bit more. Why do you think it is such a hurdle for designers, for more designers, to be that proactive in showing a diversity of sizes yeah. and, and ages? I mean, you often hear about sort of just the technical challenges yeah. of creating a set of samples. That's what it is. And if you're creating your samples in a size two, then you have to sort of step out of that um, uh, off of that road and sort of go over here and make a different, a completely different size sample. It's not just about, yeah. I mean, is it purely technical or is it, it something more insidious? I mean, I hope it's purely technical because it's, it is a challenge. You can't have 
every sample available in every single size because that's you know zero to a 26 mm -hmm. is a lot of pieces so just the inventory alone it Do you is go that to up to 26 we go up to 26 yeah mm -hmm. so um and which is great and um and yeah, so that's so it's a lot of samples to have, so it's a lot of inventory. So for a small brand, it's definitely a challenge. For a big brand, I don't really think so much. Uh, I think it would be easier for them because they're already cutting those for every one of their, you know, if they have 500 stores, they're cutting those anyway, uh, or if they go up to that size. Um, but I think, uh, and then yes, not every piece I think works perfectly in every single size the way you make it the first time. So, because it is the challenge. It's like an architect, you're making a mini model before you build the building for a reason because you're finding out all those kinks, all those tweaks. Does this actually look good on the bus? Does this dart need to be here? So those are the things you have to overcome and that takes time and work. It's not just about scaling up or scaling No, you, you, it really is about you have to make sure it's still going to like be a great dress um, on you know a lot of flattering for a lot of shapes, um, and that goes with people who are petite and tiny as well. It's the whole range of it that, that I think is the is is important for sure. Uh, but yeah, but I've learned uh, definitely over the over the years that because we've been doing it for a while, it's a little bit easier for me. I also just think about it that way uh, that I'm like I know this dress is going to look great you know, if she's a two and if she's a 20. So it I becomes easier the longer, the more you do it. Yeah, the more you do it. It's like everything. Uh, and I think also, but like I always talk about this, I talk about this in my in my book, that you know, I grew up with my, my sister who was a ballet dancer and a size zero two my whole life. And my mom, you know, was a 14, 16 and you know, and uh, you know, had curves and shape. And so that was my world. Uh, so I, it wasn't different for me. And then I went to high school in Baltimore City, which I was the minority at this high school. You know, mm -hmm. things like that were not, I don't think are, weren't different. And I think, or at least they were, that was just my life. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I embrace it. Do you find that as you talk to your colleagues in the industry that they have had the same breadth of experience in their lives? I mean, uh, I would think so. I mean, there's, I mean, from what I've, found is uh you know i mean i think there's are a lot of a lot of designers are getting on board definitely with the, the size inclusivity it's super it, it is and i know a lot of us are working on getting the retailers involved as well because mm -hmm. that's a challenge too uh so i think people want to i just think they have to figure out like i said every brand has to figure out for themselves what's working right now because we're all in a quite a stressful flux of what's yeah. just happening yeah. in the industry um but yes, but like I said, you know, I mean, you know, it's so crazy. I'm, it, we, we sell on Moda Operandi, which if you don't know what it is, it's a beautiful luxury site that does like pre-trunk shows for designer collections. We got them to change their algorithm online to go up to a size 24, which they didn't, uh, you know, which mm. is awesome. But think about this, Neiman Marcus, Saks, Farfetch, they don't go above a size 16. You can't click a drop down to go higher than that, which is crazy. Wow. That's so strange to me. I mean, how do you make sure that you continue to? They're gonna hate me. Okay. <laughs> that, but that, I don't you, care. that you continue <laughs> to stay in touch with, with that broad expanse of customer, because often it seems that the more successful designers become, in many ways, the smaller their world becomes in terms of the kind of people who are in it. Yeah. And you know, we often talk about designers who basically, you know, are surrounded by this small group of starlets and socialites. Yeah. And they start designing based on For those type of people. the needs that they have in their day, which yeah. are so far 
a field from what an average woman needs in her day. Yeah. You know, how do you keep just sort of, you know, normal people flowing through your life? Uh, I mean, I guess I'd, I don't know. I guess it comes to, um, yeah, the people I surround myself for definitely help, just like friends and family who are, you know, normal people and you know my sister lives in Virginia and has kids and you know uh, you know so you have to, I guess you have to keep those I try to keep those people around but that's why also I like my collections to be quite diverse because I love that we can dress like a young you know cool fabulous it girl like Zendaya or Kate Mara mm -hmm. and then we can dress somebody who's random and in a new movie and who cares you know but I care because <laughs> I'm like you know I think I she just, cares it's she cares day. it's fun um, <laughs> you know it's uh, so someone cares uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know um, but yeah so I, I don't know I guess that just was always more exciting to me I just yeah. think that's I don't know it's always always more interesting and I sometimes think, uh, and that's the challenge of being a designer right now in our world, is the business is so tough that what is like fun, what is still like gets you up to go to like go to work every day, and how you deal with so much stress and pressure, and and uh, so you have to have the fun things too. Has it changed that much just in the short span of your career? I mean, it's been ten, yeah, a little over ten years. Yeah, it changes every single day. That's like the, that's the craziness. Um, you know, that you never know uh, what's happening. You never know what's working, what's not working. You can have, you know, it's, the, it's like the dumb little things that can, go, that can go wrong or go right. You can have a great, a good collection and then your orders are triple, double. And then you're having to figure out how to deal with that. Right. Um, and then it can be the complete vice versa where, you know, everything's, it's dead and everything shipping from Europe is canceled or whatever, you know, and, and then you're out, you know. So all those things happen, uh, which are boring for anyone watching this actually. Um, <laughs> but it's just the day-to-day -day life. Thing. Well, this was not boring at all, and this was like a social media moment when uh, Leslie Jones uh, tweeted about not being able to find a designer to create a red carpet dress for her uh, yeah. at the premiere of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Were you on Twitter following Leslie Jones, or did someone bring this to your attention? How did you... It was, it was really... How did you find out? Yeah, it was very it? early in the morning, um, so... And my, I'm so sorry. And my husband, um, was, we follow Leslie because we love her. And I think in the morning we're just always on our phones. And yeah, Leslie tweeted it. It was, it was kind of early. It was random, um, or maybe it was the night before. I can't remember. But it just popped up. I mean, I don't follow that many people, so I follow just people I love. And yeah, it was so random. And um, Brad, my husband, was like, "You have, you know, you should, I need to respond because she's amazing. We yeah. love her and we watch her." And uh, yeah, so it was such an easy thing. And it was nothing. I didn't even respond with words. I just responded with like a little hello thing, and then it like the hand emojis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the way because I didn't want to be like, um, like I didn't want to be like also like, well, love ya, but you didn't ask me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just was like, hey. Uh, so you know, but I wanted to you know lend lend a helping hand, uh, and I think. And it was so fun. She's such an amazing person. It was, it, you know, has led to, I think, a nice, also, friendship. Um, she did come to my show last, this past season. It was very intense. Um, we'll, we'll get to that yeah. in a moment. Um, yes, we will. So, <laughs> but she's just a really real person. She's a great actress, and she deserved to look amazing. Um, and, on, like, on again, I'm, like, 
flipping through because you said something interesting about her um, in, in the book, actually, because the red dress that she wore is in the, in the book. And it's, it stands out because it is one of the least yeah. embellished dresses. It's very simple. It's, it's incredibly simple. It's a beautiful shade of red, and it follows the curves of her body. Yeah. And you described it as saying that it was important that um, it was important that she be seen. And I wanted to ask you whether or not, did you just mean that literally, that she would be a photographer magnet in this <laughs> bright red dress, or were you, were you thinking in a much broader sense that this tall, dark-skinned black woman needed to be seen in her full, yeah. I mean, all I think, of her dimensions. Yeah, I think that was what it was. I mean, also, I wanted people to understand that, like, uh, also Leslie is not, um, you know, Leslie has a beautiful body also. And, and, you know, she's different. She's very tall and she's broad, and but has a, a gorgeous, amazing figure that, you know, I felt like needed to be embraced for her night. Um, and I also think it's, yeah, it just was... I don't know. I just wanted people to like not think about her as a that. I think it's hard for every SNL actress because you're you pigeonhole them as characters in a way. And I really wanted people to not have that thought when they would see her. And um, any movie actress that's having a big premiere, that's what it should feel like for them too. Because it's exciting for her too. It's her first like major blockbuster movie. So it's so sad. It was sad for her to be like, oh God, I'm so excited. And then to not be able to get something to wear. Finding a dress to wear should be like the easy part of your day. Right. It's so dumb. And well, okay. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm going to be devil's advocate though, because. Yes, please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why? Why should actresses get free dresses? Well, that I'll tell you, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, Let me whenever you. you get an actress on the red carpet who ad admits to having purchased her dress, yeah. it's, it's almost like this shameful kind of, I had to buy my dress. I know, it's so weird. You know, poor Hayden Penetaire. Right. bought a Tom Ford yeah. dress because he only dresses one person of on course. a given red carpet, and she really wanted to wear a Tom Ford. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard mm -hmm. purchased yeah. a dress from Neiman Marcus, a Jenny Packham dress, yeah. because she wanted more choices yeah. than she'd have if she'd yeah. know, gone it's the so, it's borrowing It's so interesting, route. even like um, this past Emmys where Rachel Bloom um, bought a Gucci dress to right. wear. What's interesting is I've dressed Rachel a ton of times, too. I dressed her when she won her Golden Globe, click. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> you know, but, but, and that was what's so nice is that I'm, but you know what, and we did actually, I think we even might, she might even had, had dresses, but you know what, she really wanted to wear this dress that she found because mm -hmm. she felt good in it. That's like what it's about. Like, and and that's and that is an interesting thing. I mean, you know, listen, the free dresses thing—it's hard. It is part of the business because at the end of the day, like it is part of branding. It's part of marketing. Um, that's just how it is uh, in our world because people like famous people. Uh, they look up to them. They, right. you know, it just is what it is. Uh, but I'm and I'm okay with that. I don't like the annoying people that want free clothes, so that we try to stay away from. Um, what makes them annoying? Yes, I will tell you. Um, 
<laughs> no, I think it's it, my my biggest challenge with now being, you know, over 10 years in the business, we've dressed a lot of people. And now what I try to focus on is I hate saying no. I don't nobody wants to say no to we don't want to dress you. But I will say that there are let's say new actresses, new musicians, um, that can be a challenge. They're quite, you know, they expect a lot. Whereas people like Kathy Bates or Julianne Moore are sending flowers if you just send them a dress. Maybe they don't even wear it. They're, you know, they're appreciative. They, you know, it's so interesting that sometimes it's, that people have been around for a while, you know, that are respectful, understand what goes into clothes and sending clothes. And, you know, award season is a tough thing. There's dresses flying around the world. Uh, and the newer generation doesn't get that yet. So those are now the people that I actually, you know, work less on. They tend to think it's a right as opposed to a perk. It is. They feel like it's, um, we all have to remember, I think, that it's a, it's a little bit of like, obviously, we need a, a great actress and a great musician to promote our work, but they also need our work to look great on them. Uh, so it's, you know, some clothes have changed careers. So that has, you know, happened, you know, and I think that uh, that's, where I come from as a creator, uh, that which you know, if you don't look in a dress, that's your fault for picking that dress. So. <laughs> I mean, do you do you ever think about that the sort of contradiction where in which you know there was the hashtag that was uh, being used for a while with the red carpet, you know, ask her more. Yes, I am. Yeah. Meaning, ask her more than just about of course the her dress. clothes. Which, I agree. on the one hand, yes, you, you do agree, and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But on the other, part of the reason why you get the dress for free yes. is because you've agreed to tell people who you're wearing. Yeah. So to get a free, uh, to borrow a dress and then not want to be asked about the dress yeah. seems a little... It drives me naughty. I get to a dark place when that happens. Because <laughs> um, it does happen. Because I, I think that there is enough for everything. There's enough to, you can ask, what are you wearing? You look stunning. How, oh my God. How and what do you the, think about world peace? And what do you think? Yeah, exactly. It's easy. It's easy Two to. Two thoughts. You, you can know, keep it is. But I think, you know, I think that's why I think it's, the interviews should be a conversation. I think it's more interesting for people watching. I think it, it, all the above. So, you know, yes, but, and we have had where, you know, there's no promotion of what they've worn whatsoever. And yes, that makes, can make me really, it's hard, it's hard. Cause it is sad, you know, we, we, we work so- it's a cost so, for It's you. a huge cost. We work so hard to get the clothes to them, you know, we even, if we're making it custom, I mean, that's a whole nother world. Uh, and then nothing comes from it because, you know, maybe they don't even promote it. Uh, yeah, it can, it can be very frustrating. But what can you do beside what I do is I love a strong email. Because <laughs> um, I really do. It is, it is. It's With an attachment. Oh. <laughs> I'm not good at attachments, but I love, I love a great email. I love, it is Grammarly horrid because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying it like I'm thinking it so um, <laughs> you know there's no commas anywhere it's a mess um, but I will say I've learned over the years that those emails actually go a really long way uh, because you know some days it's like I'm like, okay, like you have to, we all have to like, we all, we, I go back in my place and I'm like I've dressed a lot of great people uh, so now it's almost like 
it, it, it can be a, a frustrating conversation um, that I don't need anymore. It doesn't, it's not the only thing that sells clothes, and I think the stylists are definitely the person that they need to be taught that as well, is that uh, you know, people still buy clothes even though that one actress doesn't wear them, and that is the challenge that I think the world, uh, the, that world, the Hollywood world, needs to understand. For but sure. Leslie Jones, though, has turned out to be a terrific ambassador, it seems. And I love dressing her. Could you hear and her at your show? Listen. <laughs> I, for any, I don't know, if you don't know this. Please watch this video, because it's genius. It, it's like, it was the highlight of all of New York fashion. No, it, it is basically <laughs> Leslie Jones watching Christian's show. She's at like the Knicks. She is at, watching the Knicks. It is. She. <laughs> it is. And, that, and, and it's really not the place. Um, <laughs> But and I was on the other side of the room, and I'm like, is that Leslie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is so interesting, too, because she came in the next day for a fitting for the Emmys, because we dressed her for the Emmys, and she walks in, she's like, baby? She goes, I didn't know. I thought they were your friends. She was like, I don't, I don't think she knew who was really there. And I'm like, um, because like Vogue's like sitting across from her, and I don't think she knew. Um, so, but that's why, that's why it's great because she's just like, it feels very real and authentic. And she was just so excited. She'd never been to a fashion show before. Um, you know, she, you know, I think that was it, it in itself exciting. And the clothes, you know, the clothes obviously are were exciting for her. She loves Coco Hersha. Um, uh, she was like. <laughs> I mean, you know. Anyway, so it, it's and just. You know, <laughs> and Coco, my, my, Coco actually tweeted that she would like for Leslie Jones to just cheer her on. Hype she's woman. making toast. Oh my God. The best hype shopping. woman in the world. Um, <laughs> but I will say at the beginning, I'm backstage. I see nothing that's going on. I see it on a little monitor. And I thought somebody got hurt. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's over. I'm like, <laughs> pack it up. Um, you know, and we, you know, we spend so much time uh, on Fashion Week, and you know, the shows are 12 minutes, so it's very stressful, and it's all happening in such a quick moment uh, that it felt really good. Even though Leslie was over the top and crazy, it felt actually such like a nice relief because at the end of the day, I was like, God, if because I was like, if everyone hates it, who cares? At least she liked it. <laughs> um, uh, so that 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 helped me. I will say, I like got through the the di the rest of the day um, without <laughs> without having a breakdown. And in a moment like that, I mean, it does feel like fashion suddenly stops being just about the clothes, but about this something bigger. You know, I mean, it was about helping Leslie Jones to sort of step out of this niche and be seen in a different way publicly. And with her cheering, I mean, it was also um, th this delight and pleasure um, that fashion gave her. I mean, how do you see fashion's role in popular culture? I mean, it really, it defines people, no? No, it's a, it's such a huge, it is, it's such a huge role, um, you know, and it's such a, a big part, yeah, it's a big part of our world in everything, in, in, in politics, listen, we're here in D.C., clothes matter, you know, it, it's unfortunate sometimes how they matter so much or what it, or what it's judged for, um, but it, yeah, it matters, I think, um, but that's what's exciting. I mean, it's it's the same thing with so many industries: art, uh, you know, music. I mean, music shapes cultures. I think, uh, yeah. So, it, which is why I think right now it's a very exciting time to be a designer and and see people just like appreciate uh, things, you know, for to take a step away from everything else. At least clothes, you can get to 
have fun with it. They should make you feel good. Like that's, I think, what it should be about. One of your other big customers, Michelle Obama, wore one um, a, a beautiful cobalt blue dress of yours during the uh, Democratic National Convention. Yeah. Um, a lot of designers came out one way or the other in their feelings about the current first lady. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel about that? And have in terms of dressing her, um, not that she can't go into any store and of buy course. whatever she wants to, but yeah. sort of creating something specifically for her. And have your feelings changed in the last, what's it been, nine months, eight mm -hmm. months? Oh, question. now, now, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> um, no, no. And they say um, politics isn't involved in fashion. Yeah, listen, <laughs> this is Washington Post, people. <laughs> um, I was actually just looking on the Washington Post Twitter, and I'm like, I don't know if I fit in here, but um, <laughs> but we will uh, we'll go with it. Uh, so uh, you know, but I will you know, dressing Michelle Obama, I dressed her a few times. You know, obviously, for me as a young you know gay American uh, you know boy with a dream, uh, you know, <laughs> cliche, but they you know that. You know that you know what the Obamas stood for was for all of those things and supporting all of those things. So dressing her for me was felt you know it was it was an iconic moment even if no one cared. I cared because I what she believed in that speech she gave that night. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in those same things. So with the new obviously the new world that we're living in, unfortunately, I don't believe in their choices so I don't feel like it would make sense for me to be a part of that um, which 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 goes with with and everybody you know can kind of take that whatever you know I, I just, and then I think it's the same thing with like I said an actress a musician mm -hmm. if you're posting on social media you you know you don't like gay people well then why am I sending you a dress so right. th that it's just a that's just life that's just normal you you're who you're you know who you're friends with if they don't support what you support you're not friends with them so that's what it is it's, it has nothing else to do with anything else but that that I think that's the most important thing um, that you have to uh, I think support what I believe in, um, women's rights, uh, gay rights, all those things, you know. Um, yeah, it's a very important thing. And as a designer, the only thing I have is my clothes to put out into the world. So that's the choice that we have to make. Yeah. That's my diplomatic answer. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the interesting blurbs on the back of the book uh, comes from Zendaya. And uh, she's, we love. <laughs> she's really amazing. And her quote is, Christian and I come from backgrounds that make us have to work extra hard to be seen, so we speak the same language. What was she referring to? What makes it that you have to work extra hard to be seen? I think because, you know, we talked about this, like, we, I came from a different, maybe started differently than other designers. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with her, you know, she started uh, being on the Disney Channel, so different than a other young Hollywood actress. Uh, and I think that's what, she, that's kind of what she thinks. Um, I actually, I was, I dressed as Zendaya before. She was literally like 15 years old, like nobody knew who Zendaya was. But um, her stylist was really supportive and was like, please, like, you know, whatever you have, we'd love, you know, we'd love to start a relationship. That's really what he said. Um, and when, and 
I really felt I really felt that from him and from her. They were so supportive from day one, and I was supportive of them. It, it was this like the relationship I was talking about mm -hmm. that she was supporting me because I'm giving her clothes when she's nothing, and and then now it's complete vice versa, which I would I would love dressing her like it's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, because anyone everyone wants to dress and diet and. Um, and they do, uh, you know, and, and that's amazing for her. She's a great actress. She has, you know, a, mil a million things coming out. Uh, but I'm, you know, so that's the relationships that I that I love. Yeah, it's very important in this world of, you know, where it can feel very, you know, fake and weird. And now that you've had your first Vogue cover, the cover of British Vogue. Yeah. Do you feel like you're being seen? I mean, I some days, I guess. <laughs> Uh, no, it's a it was a great moment because, um, you know, yes, it was a really, really just like nice day. And that when we got when we got it, it was really, really great. Um, and so I think days like that like make all the hard things worth it for sure. Mm -hmm. It's nice. And this book, I'm really proud of the book. I think it's um, it's it, 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 the whole point of it was really to like take people, transform. You know, because of what's happening in the world, there's a lot going on. I think it was to kind of take that 10 minutes flipping through and you kind of transform yourself into like a dreamlike place. That's what I wanted. Uh, yeah. Well, I think the audience might turn on me if I don't take any questions. Okay, yeah, yeah. I learned my lesson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. From Twitter. Oh, well, this is an interesting one. Can't wait. Wh which, which couture house would you like to hold the reins to if you were given the chance? Oh, if I ever was to go somewhere? Mm -hmm. um, oh, so many. You know, in two years when they start yeah. doing the whole musical the chairs whole, thing. Yeah, they love a switcher. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, a lot. There's so m I mean, there's so many brands that I admire and think are, you know, make beautiful things. Uh, I think, you know, for me, probably for a long time, it would be def probably be Dior. That would be my favorite place to be uh, just because of what the history is uh, for what they what they've done for so long but I think there's so many that I think are interesting in their own ways um, you know and that I let, I would definitely though I would like a challenge though so maybe I don't know obviously like uh, even something random like designing for a brand like Celine which maybe isn't normally what I would do but well, I, word is you might get a chance I know. <laughs> There might exactly. be an opening. There might be an opening. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know. <laughs> um, yes. Rumors, rumors, people. Yes, rumors. yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and that would be exciting. I'm open to anything, though, really. And the last question that I will take from Twitter is, um, is it hard for American designers to make it on the world stage? And um, by make it, I'm assuming that means to be able to sell globally and be seen through the same lens as a designer based in Paris. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is actually it is a challenge for sure. Um, it's a big world out there, uh, and I think I'm really happy and fortunate that we, you know, have a, a great business um, and international business, which is exciting but it takes time it grows every year and there's you know it's because every country is like you know it's uh, it's a whole new world so it's very uh it's very in the challengers are so uh they can be very difficult because do you think you could remain independent and grow like that or would you have to have a corporate owner like um, an lvmh or a carrot yeah i think 
To get, it depends um, on, on how big of a scale I would want it to be. But yes, you know, it, it's a challenge for sure. Uh, just because you're, also it's like think about certain countries. You can't just open a store in certain countries. It's a, you know, it's a licensing that you're, you know, licensing the name to that country in, in a way, uh, uh, which is, a, we have a huge business actually in the Middle East and that's how it works there. Uh, you can't, you know, I couldn't just open a store tomorrow if I wanted to. Uh, so that, you know, there's definitely the challenges there. Um, but I think, you know, that's the ten, that'll be the 10 year plan. <laughs> you know, um, lots of plans in the next few years, so we'll see. But we're, we're still focusing on U.S. We're opening a great new store in New York um, this coming year, so it's exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for coming. Thank you. Oh, and so you. fast. Sorry. And I know. I barely talk. Uh, and I should tell you that you can find more about upcoming programs and tonight's uh, highlights from tonight on WashingtonPostLive.com. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com. <laughs>